Sarah Sinclair. Somebody's got to die. I tire of this game, Jeremiah. I have everything that I needed from you. You have served your purpose. At this point, what is stopping me from killing your whole family? I really don't know, Treadwell. At this junction of the relationship, you clearly have the upper hand. Why don't you tell me? What is keeping them alive? Well, to be completely honest with you, nothing. We lost the last line of peace when your daughter lost that last finger on her left hand. By the way, she's not bleeding to death. You're welcome. Then what? A game. That is what this situation, this place, these lives now amount to for me. A game. Listen to me. I don't care if you see your family ever again. I don't. But due to the fact that you did secure everything for me, minus the penalties, of course, it does warrant giving you a chance to see them all again. What are you talking about? Well, Jeremiah, the phone that you were holding obviously isn't like the phone that Clement gave you. The phone that we gave you is a burner. Useless. It was only to be used to tell you what to do. The phone that you are holding, on the other hand, and that's funny, because we chopped off your daughter. I get it. The phone. The phone that you are holding was one that was given to a trusted associate. Before he died, David said you had his family. Before I killed him, he said that you were going to kill them if he didn't kill me. True. All true. But he also had something that I needed. And as such, I needed him be in contact with me as much as I was in contact with him. After all, I needed him to give me the satellite data, as well as the smaller GPS module. So he brought you the items you requested? Yes. He brought them directly to me. So your address is in this phone? For a stupid man, you caught on to that relatively quickly. Here is the game. A scavenger hunt. Come to that address, and the game begins. You'll have approximately one day to gather all of the clues and get to your family. If you do so, you can have them. No strings attached. And if I don't? I'm sure killing them will be an exquisite experience for comments. Too scared to do the work yourself, Treadwell? Is that why Lachey is still alive? Did you shoot over her head at the last moment? Who said I missed? Well, what are you waiting for? Pull up that address and let's go. Solace. I'm... I'm done. I, I'm sorry, what? I'm through. I'm leaving this life. This was all so unnecessary. All this death. All this killing. All this, everything. Sin, I don't know how to tell you this, but... Man up, nigga! You sound like a bitch right now. All these missions, I've been telling you that you're doing wrong and you always had an excuse. And now that we're at the finish line, now that we can get your family back, the only thing standing in the way is your conscience? Nope, fuck that. It ain't your conscience, cause I'm not standing for this shit. You better man up and get them back. If you think you can just shut down now, you got another thing coming. I don't care if I gotta ride your ass like Zorro. You gon' get them back. Now get the fuck up and do your job! They... They took her finger. So take their lives! That's the way it has to work. They take from us, we take from them. Welcome to the conclusion of your job. If you didn't want to do this, then you should have gotten a post of the pizza boy or something. You warned me that this would happen. Yeah, I did. But sometimes, Sin, sometimes you remind me of a three-year-old in the kitchen. What?
Remember when Jasmine was three? She was in the kitchen with you on that rainy day? I did remember. Vividly. I was making us some grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato bisque soup. As I said, I'm a great cook. The food was prepared, and I carried two bowls to the table and went back to the counter to get the sandwiches. I cut her sandwich into four triangles. She was following me from stove to table, table to counter. As I turned back to take the sandwiches back to the table, she was still standing at the counter, staring at the stove. I said, Jaslyn, no, that is very hot and you will get hurt. She turned to me, beautiful even then, hazel eyes sparkling, and said, Hot? I said, yes. She pointed at the stove and said, Hot? And I said, yes. I turned for just one moment to put the sandwiches on the table when I heard her scream. In one instant, my heart broke and sank simultaneously. I dropped the plates on the table, and in two steps I was to her. I drew her to my chest, and she sobbed loudly. I drew her to my chest, and as she sobbed loudly, I wept silently. I had warned her. I had told her the stovetop was hot, but even with the warning, she had to see for herself. I rinsed and bandaged her hand, and sang songs for her while she snuffled. I sat her on my lap. And we ate together just like that. That was her right hand. I had just caused her a piece of her left. See? You're just like your children. Likely, your dad is just like you. I wondered about that for a moment. Had Sarge been an inquisitive child? Did he make mistakes? even after being warned of the consequences? At what point did he learn from his mistakes and grow up? Was I one of his mistakes? Look, man, your kids are alive. Not whole, like they should be, but alive. Your wife is alive. These are things we know. We also know that Treadwell has your wife and Clements has your kids. And we know that Treadwell has all of the designs needed to create an army. And we know that he's the boss. At least of Clements. Yeah. Clements doesn't move without Treadwell say so. So now what we need to do is find that address and then find our way to its location. And we need to be very aware that this is probably a trap. Not a trap. A game. If we look at it like a game, then things within the game are expected. There are traps in games, so we should expect an ambush. But... But what? Games also have an ending. Let's end this bitch. I took a look at the phone and all of its inscrutable options. I looked through all the address book entries, but found no entry for Treadwell. I searched the notes... But that effort also fell flat. I checked for T. Well. No luck. At this point, I was getting desperate, and I almost threw the phone. Don't. Can you think of anything else? Any clues? Because I'm at a loss. Well, you tried his name. In many different variations, may I add. And I know he doesn't expect you to know his date of birth. What about his place of employment? I'm not sure. He never said it. Well, just look through the address book for any corporations or syndicates or any other business type name. What about if I find a Chuck E. Cheese in there? Then we infiltrate the shit out of a mouse hole. Come on, Sin, concentrate. I scrolled through the names, one by one. As I passed each name up, I opened it up to see if there was a corporation or business designation that was given to the contact. It was a painstakingly slow process, especially given the scope of time that I had. Or didn't. Finally, I reached the Worthington Corp. 
I had initially passed it in my efforts to find anything that had Treadwell's name attached to it. But as I looked at it, I realized something that up to that point, I had overlooked. Treadwell wasn't the head of the company. Clemence had told me that before, but I had completely forgotten. How could I have forgotten something so simple? Was I overlooking anything else? I called the number that was attached, and it sent me to an automated system that opened its statement by telling me the name and address of the company. I wrote down the information and walked back to David's car. I opened the door to his vehicle, now mine, and drove to the airport. Dude! What? Stop keeping secrets! Where are we going? What's the location of the company? Chicago. Chicago? Yep. Chicago. You fucking with me, right? What do you mean? After all this crisscrossed across the United States, after all the places that we've been to and seen, after all of that, our final destination is in Chicago? You got a problem with that? Yeah. I would have much rather have been in Miami. Huh. I made quick time to the airport and made a call. I exchanged a few quick sentences and hung up. I purchased a ticket to O'Hare International Airport. And in an hour, we boarded our flight. In one and a half hours, we landed at O'Hare. As we walked to the rental car, Solace spoke. So? So what? So who was that call made to? You're my conscience, not my wife. Why are you asking? Huh? Really? Why do you ask so many questions? You're inside of me. Why do you act like you don't know anything? Maybe it's that you're second-guessing yourself. Okay. In that case, I'm thinking really hard right now. What am I thinking? Shut the fuck up. Good. We are on the same page. Asshole. Often. I looked at my watch. We had spent an hour total finding the information, another hour waiting for a flight, and one and a half hours more on the flight. Three and a half total. I had to stay acutely aware of the time that passed. It was imperative. My family was counting on it. I drove to 100 West Ontario Street and pulled up to Portillo's. I parked the car, but left the engine idling. What are we doing here? You're doing it again. Seriously, what are we doing here? A friend recommended it to me. The food is good. What friend? Bo. Bo. Yeah, Bo. Is that their whole name? Bo? Or is this another assassin that uses a bow and arrow? That's a good question, isn't it? Ponder on that for a moment. Wow. What? I just thought about it. Whoever this Bo is, it would be really cool if he was a luchador. You mean a... A Mexican wrestler. Yep. Why would that be cool? Because then his name would be Elbow. I'm turning you off now. A text message came across my phone. I looked at it, nodded, and sat back in my seat. Man, this seat is nice. I agree. Leather seats, heated. Automatically move forward and back? Yeah. I bet your wife would love to ride in this. Silas, I'm focused. You don't need to drop hints. If you're focused, then why are we here? Simple. We're here for two reasons. Please, enlighten me. Reason number one. I'm hungry. Then let's get something to eat and go. Number two, I'm waiting. 
Waiting? For what? Not for what. For who? For who, huh? Okay. Well, we could be standing in line while we wait. That's true. Let's go. I walked into the restaurant and stood in line. A server came up to me with the bag and asked me for my order. I placed an order for two Italian beef sandwiches, dipped in juice, with sweet peppers and cheese. Nearly 20 minutes later, when my number was called, I picked up the sandwiches. That was a long-ass line. You have to be patient for good food. You don't see lines like this in McDonald's. <laughs> but you see them at Popeye's. That's because while Popeye's chicken is good, their service often sucks. Why did you get two sandwiches anyway? One for me, and one for her. Dylan Gillette walked into the restaurant, looking around furtively as if she was making sure she wasn't tailed. Dylan, chill. I doubt you were followed. You never know. I feel like somebody's been watching me since I left Seattle. And she has no privacy. Whoa. Shut up. I took a look at Dylan. In the weeks since the last time I had seen her, not much had changed. She was still stomping around in fatigues and boots, and her messily arranged brunette hair was reminiscent of an electrical shock. But I wasn't concerned about her looks. I was concerned with her accessories, which were currently in a duffel bag at her feet. By the way, this is an absolute bitch to get through airport security. I just think you may want to know that. I'll pay you extra. So, out of curiosity, how'd you get it past him? I didn't. I paid a baggage handler a little extra, and I gave him a pound of White Widow. You owe me $600. I'll add that to your next check. How are your kids, anyway? Good. Christmas is going sweet this year. As long as I'm alive, and you need... You aren't going anywhere. And I'm gonna need all of that for quite a while longer. Let's go. We took our sandwiches and walked out to my car. I unlocked the doors, and we both got in. Heated seats, huh? Life of luxury. Well, no one told you to rent a wreck. Rents? Yeah. Didn't you rent that thing? No, I bought that bitch. Straight cash. No receipts, no questions. I offered the man $3,000 for it, and he jumped at the chance. I don't even think it was originally for sale. Kept your name out of paperwork. No credit cards and no receipts. Good idea. Great job. Yeah. You owe me $3,000. Wow. Those same feelings are still there. Okay, so $3,800 total. Well, there's also the matter of my per diem. Food isn't free. While I appreciate the food you just bought me now, I'm a growing woman. I'm going to want $200 a day for food. Also, I brought you a 9mm Cobra Mac 11 fully automatic machine gun and 4,600 icicle bullets already placed into 32 round clips. That's 143 clips plus some spares for your pistols. As you requested, I brought 12 flashbang grenades and 20 pressure-sensitive mines. One question. Who pissed in your chicken noodle soup? Same guy that wanted me to kill you. Oh, that asshole. Can I come? You thought that I was paying you $3,800 to just drop off parcels and leave? Nope. You're paying me 4000 even. A money maven, too. My heart beats only for you. So what is the plan? I filled her in on the situation at hand, and she nodded. So, do you have any more of those vests? What vests? The ones that you killed Brian over. First of all, I didn't kill him. He shot himself. Dummy? And second, no. I don't have any of the vests. I took the one and placed it into a locker for Treadwell and Clements to pick up. I knew you weren't smart, but you never failed to bottom out just a little further. I should have taken some. I, I know. Dylan pulled two vests out of her bag. She handed one to me. 
Well, since you didn't put this on, it doesn't stop icicles, but then again, neither will anything else they have, so we're even. I lifted the vest in my hand, testing its weight. It was surprisingly light. I took a look at it and noticed how rather than being a solid, dull black like most vests I had seen, this one was gray, mottled with white spots. Okay, how much do I owe you for this? Free of charge. Excellent. For the first one. If you need another, it's $500. If I need another one, chances are it's too late to go back to the ATM. I looked at my watch. Between waiting for the food and discussing prices, we had used nearly another hour. Neither of us had touched our food. Eat up. I unwrapped the already soaked paper from the sandwich, leaned my head to the side, and took a bite. The juices from the beef mingled perfectly with the fresh French bread, and the sweet tang of the peppers coupled well with the slight saltiness of the juice. The garlic in the juice was splendid. I relished every bite. Dylan was just as silent as I as she devoured her food. I wish someone would pay me in gum. What are you talking about? Just a commercial I saw recently. I, too, wish someone would pay me in gum. Why? Because then I would give you and her a piece. Y'all ain't gonna be sneaking up on no one with your breath hitting like that. So who said anything about sneaking? I drove to the Worthington Corporation, which was nestled in the middle of the Loop, the business sector of Chicago. When I reached my destination, I just paused, struck by the beauty of the area. Damn. What? I forgot to ask. After we kill everything moving, can we go to a Bulls game? Are you serious? Uh, yeah. You make it sound like we're going to get another opportunity to take a picture in front of the Jordan statue. Solace. How often do you ask me to stop and sightsee while we're on missions? Every time. And how often do I stop? Never. Then what made you think this would be different? Well, since you're breaking bread like you're Jesus, I figured there was possibly the time for change. Time for change, huh? Clever. Yeah, I heard it said somewhere before. The Worthington Corporation was nestled on South Michigan Avenue. It was a three-block walk to the Chicago Harbor. I was positive that when the lights from the district were on, this would be one of the most beautiful spectacles in the world. So pretty. Yeah, it is. So how are we going to destroy it? We go through this building and we find the next clue. If anyone stops us or tries to stop us. We kill him. Questions? Only one. Can I kill him? Who? Treadwell? Yeah. Because of him, I had to take my family underground. And I'm still recovering from the loss of all my revenue from having my business blown up. If you have the shot, take it. Just know I'm planning on doing the same. I grabbed the Cobra. Eight clips and four flashbangs. I offered my silence 45 to Dylan. She shook her head and produced a Kimber 1911 semi-automatic with an extended clip. What makes you think I don't have one of my own? Love, so many people use your name in vain. We exited the vehicle and walked into the lobby of the building. The lobby was ornately decorated and the scenery was only magnified by a huge portrait of an older, balding white man that was set above the elevators. As we walked through the lobby, I was surprised by how quiet it was. On a day like this, a corporation of this size should have guards, dogs, security, or something. It's quiet. Yep. Too quiet. Indeed. I've always wanted to say that. I looked at her, and we walked to the elevator. 
I pushed the call button, and the elevator came swiftly. We entered the elevator, and the door shut behind us. The elevator immediately began its ascent. I didn't push anything. Neither did I. At that moment, David's phone rang. Well, I see you made it to the first location. I'm pleased. It only took you five hours. I remained silent. What do you think of the building? Nice, isn't it? It has 79 floors. It's been said that you can see everything in the world from at the top. Huh? I see your mama's bed every night. I don't want you to wonder why the elevator started going up without you touching anything. I'll tell you, it's being controlled remotely. I'm taking you to the 65th floor. The first part of the game begins there. Is my family there? Your family? No. I'm sorry. Your princess is in another castle. But there will be a clue to get you to the next step in the game. All you have to do is find it. That won't be difficult. I'll be seeing you soon, Mark. Your wife and children certainly hope so. And with that, he hung up. Well, at least we didn't have to guess about which floors the clue wasn't on. The elevator slowed as we reached the 65th floor and stopped with a ding. Now, just because there weren't people on the lower floors doesn't mean that there won't be trouble on these floors. God, I hope not. What? That there isn't any trouble? No, that these floors aren't as boring as the lobby. I peered out of the elevator, and seeing no danger coming from either direction, we stepped out of the car. So, how are we going to go about doing this? Door to door, I guess. As we walked down the hallway, I strained to see if I could hear any voices from any of the offices, or on the floor at all. We opened the first few doors and saw nothing. This is gonna take forever. I'm thinking we should start at the top. Why? Well, we already know where the clue isn't. It isn't on the first 64 floors, and by the look of things, it isn't here either. I strongly believe that it's on the top floor. It's your party. We walked back to the elevator, but the door was closed. I pushed the call button and stood back to wait. So, what is your plan, anyways? This is pretty much it: find the clues, find my family, and kill Treadwell. Three-step program. Okay. We stood in silence. This elevator is taking a while, isn't it? When we initially came up, it sped to the top. If we are the only people here, then the elevator should get here just as quickly. Shit. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. We looked at the number on the elevator's LCD display, increased slowly, pausing at a number for a moment and then moving on, until it got to the fifty-fifth floor. After that, it started rising at a rapid speed. Run. We ran down the hallway to the end of the corridor. Once we reached it, I laid down in the prone position. Dylan got down, steadied herself on one knee, and took aim. Level one. Fight. The doors of the elevator opened, and one armed guard poked his head out of the elevator door. As soon as he did, Dylan fired a single shot. The shot was too low to take off the top of his head. But it was a perfect height to take off his nose and the middle of his face. Dylan looked at me, shrugged, and said, "Morning, Chad." Inside the elevator, chaos erupted. The other guards rushed out of the car, panicked and yelling, and I flipped my Cobra from semi-automatic to fully automatic and chopped him in half. Game on. We ran to the elevator and nudged the first soldier back into the car. I pressed the button for the 75th floor, and when the car began to slow, I wrestled the dead soldier to an upright position. What are you doing? Decoy. I've got a better idea. 
As I held the soldier, she grabbed a flashbang. At the same time. She counted to three, and the door opened. I tossed the soldier out, and he was hit by a hail of gunfire. She threw the flashbang in the direction of the bullets, and in moments, the sound of cursing coursed through the hallway. I threw a grenade in the other direction just to be certain, and the leaf blind fired around the corner. Ready? Go! Dylan ran to the left towards the door that was ajar about 100 feet down the hallway. Meanwhile, I fired the Cobra in one direction and my 45 in the other. When she reached the door, she dove in. Come on! Well, you know what they say. I took off running towards the door, shooting ahead of me, Dylan covering the hallway behind me. If you gotta go... I approached the door and prepared to run into the room when Dylan stepped out. Death. I dropped into a crouch immediately, and she stepped out of the doorway with a sawed-off shotgun. Go with a smile. Dylan walked down the hallway, a swath of bullets leading the way. The guards never stood a chance. Where in the fuck did she get that from? I don't know. All clear. Come on out. I stepped out of the door and walked to where she was. Dylan stood, huffing and puffing, hair askew, surveying her damage. Where did you get that from? It was in there. When I rolled into the room, the shotgun was sitting in a box, so I put it to good use. No, you put it to great use. Dylan blushed. Ah. Uh... So, I definitely think we're on the right path. Let's see what we can find in the other offices. Okay. I'll take point. Dylan nodded, and we walked to the next door. What followed was I opened the door while walking past, and Dylan scanned the room with the shotgun. This continued down the hallway until we reached a closed double door. If it isn't here, we just wasted a bunch of time. And people. Yeah, that was cool. I tested the doorknob and opened the door. When no gunfire came forth, we walked into the room and turned on the lights. I noticed two things immediately. The first was that the office was very spartan in design, with nothing of note on the walls except for the same giant picture that was above the elevators in the lobby. The second thing that I noticed was the model for the picture sitting at his desk. Someone had shot him in the head and what was left of it leaned against the headrest of his chair. Wow. Holy fucking shit. Wow. Was he the boss? Of all bosses. I bet he never saw this coming. I'll bet he did. Come on, let's look for the next clue. We walked into the room, searching in the area around him for another clue. I looked closely at the picture, but came up empty. There's nothing here. But this is the boss's room. Isn't this where the clue should be? Defeat the boss and take the clue? That's the way it works in every video game I've seen. But we didn't defeat the boss, so we weren't the first to get a glance at the clue. But then who? Spades, 
But you and I both know that we have an appointment. Okay. Tell me where the next clue is. As a matter of fact, why don't we skip past all the formalities and you just tell me where you are. Now, Mr. Sinclair, I said a hint, not a warp zone. See what I did there? Because you are playing a game, and I truly, honestly feel like we are playing you. You've got a lot on your hands, but you aren't the only ones. What? That is your hint. That is all I'll give you. Pretty much the prime suspects in the murder of Mr. Worthington. Well, the tapes will prove that false. I don't think the tapes have been recording. Clement has been watching us, so I'm pretty sure that he's been controlling when the tapes are recording and when they aren't. Well, what's the second clue? I thought about what Clement has said, about how we had a lot on our hands. And I looked at the phone in my hands and the gun in Dylan's hand. It was true that our hands were full, but I walked over to Worthington. Dylan followed me. What are you doing? Stand back. Worthington's hands were both placed palm down onto his desk. I lifted one and saw writing. The writing said, other one. I guess that means our clue is under the other hand. I went to the other hand and lifted it. On the hand was a note. On the desk was a finger. Jaslyn. The note on this hand said the same as the first. Other one. What does that mean? Why do they both say other one? Both of them have the same info. Let me think. Good luck. If the same message is on both hands, then the message obviously isn't in regards to them. So what else in here do we have two of? The paintings. We ran to the painting and looked at it again. The thing was about 24 feet by 36 feet, and it had to come down. We lifted the frame off the wall and set it on the floor face down. On the back, it said Madison and Racine. Let's go. We ran down the hallway to the stairs. Wait. What? Let's go down the other stairs, the ones that are furthest from the elevators. What makes you think that they wouldn't have someone covering those stairs as well? Well, since I know they will be covering the ones right next to the elevator, I would call it a calculated risk. You're right. Let's go. We ran to the stairs nearest Mr. Worthington's office, and Dylan kicked the door open. So that's what those boots are made for. We hurtled down the stairs, taking them four at a time. Man, I wish I had these stairs in middle school. Why? <laughs> because I used to love to slide down the rails. It was like riding grease lightning. Grease lightning, huh? No faster way to travel. We looked at each other, and then looked at the stair rail. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? 
Ladies first. Dylan jumped up on the stair rail close to the wall. And with a whoop, she was down another floor. She hit the floor running and hopped up on the next rail, laughing all the way down. So what the hell are we waiting for? I jumped on the rail, riding down each staircase with startling quickness. It seemed that Dylan was right. We had traversed 16 flights in what seemed like six minutes. We continued down the stair rails, one after the other. Dylan leading the way and myself a floor behind. Oh, shit. What? I just realized something. When we get down to the ground floor, there's going to be a shit ton of police everywhere. Yeah. If what Clement said was true. If you didn't think it was true, we wouldn't be going down the back staircase. So, what are we going to do? Are we shooting our way out? If I can avoid it, I like to. Killing guests is one thing. Killing police puts us in a whole different tax bracket. Okay, well, we got to figure out something before we get too close, you know? Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Jameson Creed, number eight. What? Never mind. Let's go to the second floor and see if that gives us any options for escape. Okay. We continue down the stairs until we reach the second floor. Dylan turned to me face aglow with exhilaration, and said, When this is over, and we've killed these guys, let's do that again. I opened the door to the second floor, and hearing nothing, stepped through. Dylan entered behind me. Okay, we have to find a way out. If we encounter any resistance... Kill them? Only if talking it out is no longer an option. What if we knock them out? She handed me a pistol. This holds 20 tranquilizer darts. Each dart has enough kick to put a grown man down for three hours. Sweet. Let's go. We set out to locate another exit, silently moving amongst the darkness. Hold on. What's that? The footsteps could clearly be heard on the hardwood floor. We paused, listening for the direction they were moving in. Two. Coming from the left. You take the one on the right. I'll stop the other. The officers came around the corner, and we fired. In an instant, they were out. Man, I hope there isn't others who heard them hit the ground. Just to be sure, we'd better put them somewhere else. We drugged the officers into an office, and then waited, but no other footsteps came. We walked the entire second floor without encountering any more officers, and finding no other exits. Back to the stairs? Unless you were planning on jumping out the window. Tell me you weren't planning on jumping out the window. Well, it, it depended on how far we were from the ground and the foliage available to break our fall. Trust me, you can't afford the cost of me jumping out a window. I won't even tell you the price, but let's just say elections are bought with less. We walked back to the staircase and walked down to the ground floor. Well, looky here, two doors. One for the lobby. And one for the garage. In the lobby, there's no cover. They would be just as in the open as we would. But in the garage, they could have a SWAT team. I say we do the lobby. I agree. I open the door and listen for a few moments. I don't hear anything. Me neither. But that doesn't make it less of a trap. Be careful. If we get split up... Or if you die. Right. Or if one of us dies... Go to the car. Go to Madison and Racine. Find my family. End this. Okay. We stepped into the lobby and prepared for a battle that never came. As we walked through, it was just as quiet as it was when we came into the building the first time. What in the hell? Mind games. What? Treadwell said that we were going to play a game. He didn't say what kind. Nor did he say how many. This was a mind game. Nothing more. In fact, 
I bet those two officers on the second floor have been there the entire time. I bet they were the real security guards. Well, it's a good thing we didn't kill them, huh? Pat yourself on the back later. We gotta go. We ran out to the car, and I typed Madison and Racine into the GPS. With the destination set, we took off. What exactly are we looking for? I'll find out at the same time you do. We drove to the corner of Madison and Racine, and I stepped out of the car. The area was comprised of a coupling of low-rise and high-rise buildings, and nothing stood out as the location of the next clue. What's wrong? I can't see it. See what? What would be the next clue? Are we supposed to run into each of these buildings and find something? What is the next step? How about that? I looked in the direction that she was pointing and saw an empty storefront. It was clearly a closed restaurant looking for new leasers. But on the window, someone had painted an elegant stenciling. Sinclair's. <laughs> we ran across the street to the restaurant and found the door to be unlocked. So we walked in, as I initially expected. The restaurant was dark, dank, musty, and empty, except for one table set in the middle of the dining room. How quaint. The table had two chairs, a red and white checkered tablecloth on it, and a menu. I didn't see a reason to sit down, so I picked up the menu and opened it up. Hmm. The specialist's tongue. What are we doing here? I'm sure that the clue is here somewhere. If it isn't in the menu, then it's in the kitchen. Mercy call. This is level three. Did you find the clue? I'm sure there's a camera around here somewhere that is focused directly on me. So I want you to focus directly on the middle finger on my right hand. Moody, aren't you? Well, I can understand that. I mean, after all, you have been ripping and running for the past eight hours. That's impressive. I know that you generally don't get much time to relax anyways. Well, with men's calling you as soon as you step off the airplane, sending you back to the air to be retrieved yet another trinket. But now, I have to believe that you are running on pure adrenaline. You girl. Who is she? Someone who wants to kill you. Promises, promises. Isn't it getting dark there? It must be about time to start thinking about dinner and a bed for the night. I'm tired just thinking about how tired you have to be. Stay strong, Sin. Well, sleep tight, Jeremiah. You have 16 hours. Take a nap. We may give you a wake-up call. That's the least we can do for you, you know? Mighty nice of you, Mark. Oh. You know, service with a smile. What did he want? For us to go to sleep. What? He figures that at this point, I should be asleep on my feet. He knows that I haven't slept well for weeks. How does he know that? How could he know that? Because it's his fault that I've been so restless. Wow, testy. Maybe he's right. Maybe you could benefit from some sleep. No. This is a part of his game. I know it. What do you mean? If I fall asleep, I lose. We lose. You are rambling. Dylan, my mind has never been clearer. If I fall asleep, at that point he could say that I slept for 16 hours, or penalize me for sleeping, or... Or he could have you so paranoid that you don't sleep, making you unable to be at the top of your game when we run into him, which we will. If you're wrong. If I'm wrong, then I'm sorry in advance. But if I'm right, then you benefit from this. You need to clear your mind. I can't. I can't take that risk. My family needs me. And you need sleep. I'll stay up. Just take a quick nap, and we're right back at it. I'll sleep afterwards. Let's keep looking for this clue. I continued to look through the menu for information, an address, a telephone number, or any other clue that will lead me to my family. Suddenly, 
I felt a prick in my neck. Sleep tights in. When I awoke, I was still at the table, although Dylan was kind enough to place a makeshift pillow comprised of the tablecloth under my head. I looked around groggily, trying to place a time. Dylan? Sleep well? I can't believe that you shot me. Would you have gone to sleep if I hadn't? No. Then I did the right thing. You needed some rest, and I needed you not to do anything stupid that would have come from lack of sleep. Like what? Do you realize that you've been talking to yourself out loud? I don't mean like regular people asking themselves to get milk when they go to the store. You full on argue with yourself. I know. That's not associated with sleep deprivation, is it? No. You aren't going to tell me more, are you? No. Okay. Well, while you were asleep, your phone rang. Okay. I pulled out David's phone to see if there was a message from Treadwell. My stomach sank at the thought of penalties. Not that phone. The... Other one. I reached into my pocket and yanked the phone that Treadwell had given me out so fast that everything else flew out as well. Change went skittering down into the darkness, never to be found. I opened up the phone and looked through it. Not in contacts. Not in address book. What are you doing? It's been right in front of me the whole time. What has? The answer, the clue, the way to my family. I picked up David's phone and handed it to her. Can you reverse track a telephone number? I don't see why not. Even a cell phone number? Well, that may be harder, but it can still be done. I gave her the number that had been my tether, my leash for the last couple weeks, ever since that meeting at the seventh shelter. It's processing. Dang, these phones are quick, aren't they? Is this a 4G? I have no idea what type it is. You really need to step up your technological game. I'll upgrade that game once we end this one. Right. Okay, it's up. Is there an address? Yes. I took the phone out of her hand and took a look at the information. You have to be shitting me. Simulcast. But you don't know by now that you slipped.